You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1003 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening. Today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app for the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Today's show will focus on game three, what became a nice win for the Atlanta Hawks by a final score of 105-94 at State Farm Arena. And the Hawks now leave the series 2-1 over the Knicks. Honestly, a pretty impressive effort for Atlanta overall. They made 16 threes. They were clicking. The shots that did, that did not fall in Game 2 fell in Game 3. Trey Young was once again brilliant. And they won pretty comfortably despite a massive free throw disparity. The Knicks took 30 free throws against only 8 for the Hawks. But Atlanta shot the ball so much better elsewhere and got enough stops where it didn't matter in the end. And the Hawks honestly led even more comfortably than the final margin of 11 for a lot of the fourth quarter. So a nice win overall for the Hawks, and we'll get into this as we always do on the podcast. Please subscribe, tell your friends and all that stuff, and we will dive in now. So, um, you know, pregame, there wasn't a whole lot to get into. Obviously, Glenn Willis and I talked about the sort of the state of the series yesterday on the podcast for about an hour, so nothing really new from there. Uh, no injury stuff. No one's Noel, I guess, was, um, I guess, a question mark of some sort. He was not listed on the injury report, but and then before the game, Asia Wojnarowski reported that he was actually testing out his ankle and may not play. He ended up playing the game, so no other really, uh, other real questions, I guess, injury-wise. There was one lineup change for the Knicks. They ended up starting Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson. Um, not a huge surprise. That was their second-half lineup for the most part in Game 2, but that was a notable change, a notable tweak for the Knicks after they uh, you know, sort of won Game 2. I guess that's kind of surprising, but at the same time, Rose was so much better and so much more prominent than Alfred Payton, by the way, who did not play at all in this game for New York. Um, last thing is that the Hawks entered this game as a four and a half point favorite, according to Fred's at Bellon AG. Not a huge surprise. Obviously, the Hawks playing at home were the favorite uh, in my mind and in the minds of most people, but they ended up covering that um, pretty comfortably in this spot. Um, the first quarter, we'll start there, obviously, as we always would, but uh, it was a bizarre quarter of basketball, quite honestly. Uh, I watched it again before I started recording. Um, first of all, there were four, yes, four. Clock issues. Yes, it's just the whole very strange thing. Uh, I think uh, I, will, I will credit Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com for tweeting this. And he basically said, if you turn the game on late, congratulations. Um, because the first minute or two of this game were uh, kind of unwatchable in what transpired. You know, uh, famously, the Hawks had all kinds of clock issues back in the Phillips Arena days in that same building, but uh, pre-renovation, and it was back to that a little bit. There was one uh, easy bucket for the Hawks by John Collins at the rim. But other than that, it was a lot of stop and start at the beginning of the game, and actually there was a situation where John Collins and Julius Randle were jawing at each other. That was kind of a high drama in a packed facility in Atlanta. And honestly, I'll say this now, it was an awesome environment in Atlanta for Game 3. Uh, there was the national concern about Knicks fans invading uh, State Farm Arena. I made sure to kind of get in front of that a little bit yesterday on the podcast and also on Twitter, but uh, it was even less than I thought of Knicks fans, probably 90-10, like something like that, in the building, and the Hawks fans stepped, stepped up and definitely made some noise. It was a cool environment to be a part of on uh, on Friday night. At any rate, once the game actually started, there was a quick whistle, honestly, at both ends of the floor. It kind of killed the flow. There were just lots and lots of foul calls, 15 fouls in the first quarter of the game. 
uh, which set an ominous tone, honestly, overall. Ended up benefiting the Hawks a little bit at times, but uh, the Knicks got the free throws and the free throw advantages throughout the game. So, I don't know, kind of a weird, weird night, and the officiating became more of a story than I like it to be. It was not a particularly well-officiated game either, which is unfortunate, but again, the Hawks get the win, so it's, it becomes less of a big deal in Atlanta. The Hawks trailed early, 15-14 at the first timeout. Um, a bunch of uh, easy buckets for both sides, honestly, for a little while in the middle of the first quarter. Um, the Hawks actually had 12 points in the paint out of their first 14, which was a story, especially because they only had 28 the entire game in the paint in game two. Um, but Derrick Rose was cooking the Hawks up on the other end of the floor, doing whatever he wanted to offensively. Um, setting a tone, interestingly, that would sort of carry over. Gallinari and Herter both made their first three-point shots, and the bench was hot. Lots of good shooting there. Um, it, there was an incredibly soft second foul call on John Collins, which pushed him, pushed him, pushed him to the bench. They actually brought in Solomon Hill, uh, who did not play at all in the first two games. Uh, Tony Snell was a DNP in this game. Basically what happened was uh, Hill took a little bit of Snell's minutes, and the rest of those minutes went actually back to the starters and the more prominent guys. But it was Solomon Hill as the backup four for a moment before they went to Gallinari as a uh, backup five at times, even in the first half. But because of the super tight whistle, the Knicks were in the bonus with about four and a half minutes to go, so they kind of just kind of slogged things down for Atlanta. They came out of the break um, there after a timeout. There was a flagrant one foul on Kevin Herter. He probably earned that one, we have to say. Um, but a good, uh, some pretty good defense late in the quarter. Okongwu had a nice play at the rim. Trey Young had to pull up three. And a couple of great, great defensive trips by, by actually by Herter. Herter was so good in this game, I thought, um, defensively especially, but on both ends, of the, both ends of the floor. And then another three by Gallinari to go up by six. Um, late, though, the Hawks made a complete mess of the final minutes and even just the final second of the first quarter. So Trey Young commits a, commits a three-shot foul with one second left in the quarter. That allows New York to cut the lead from four down to one. Then Gallinari throws the inbounds pass away untouched, so nothing runs off the clock. Then the Knicks throw the ball into Julius Randle, who makes the three at the buzzer. So again, six points in 1.1 seconds for the Knicks to go from down four to up two at the end of the first quarter. And if the Hawks had lost this game, or if the Hawks had been even close in this game, that would have been a bigger a bigger deal. Obviously, it didn't end up biting them, but that was a brutal end to the first quarter for Atlanta. Um, rotationally, though, we'll get into this a little bit a couple times on, on this podcast, but the first rotation tweak was that Trey Young played the entire first quarter um, after he was coming out a little bit earlier the first two games. Uh, part of that, I think, was that they were trying to ride him. Part of that was, was that the Hawks were in the bonus, and he was playing so well, but he had 9-5 and five in the first quarter. Um, the Knicks actually were 8-24 of 24 from the floor, which is uh, obviously pretty good for the Hawks, but they were 13-13 of 13 from the free throw line in the first quarter. Uh, that was notable, let's, let's just say. And 15 fouls, as I, as I said before, 9 were called on the Hawks in the opening quarter. Um, more rotation points now as we get in the second quarter. The Hawks never used the full bench unit in this game, and that was cause for celebration. I know I talked about this on my last solo show two days ago, also with Glenn last night. One of my biggest gripes was the full bench unit. The Hawks didn't use it in this game, and they that was a good decision. Um, in order to get to that, though, they ended up staggering Bogdanovich and, and Trey Young pretty much the whole game. So the way that they did it was to play Trey the entire first quarter, then they brought um, Bogdan back in when Trey sat. Uh, in the third quarter, it was the opposite. Bogdanovich played the entire third quarter, and then he actually started the fourth as well, which we'll get into later on. And then by, by the time he left, they basically had Trey back on the floor. So... They did a really good job getting those guys on, on the floor separately. That wasn't the entire tweak of the situation. They played them more minutes. They also um, 
uh, had Capella start the second quarter, uh, only for a brief moment of time, and then they brought Collins back in there. So uh, McMillan did a good job, I thought, avoiding those bad lineups. That they It was pretty easy to do so, but just by extending those minutes, kind of intentionally staggering those guys, that really helped things along quite a bit. A um, couple of nice buckets early on in the second quarter from Gallinari and Lou Williams. Uh, still no flow to the game, though, honestly, but that was a nice stretch by Lou Williams. Uh, Lou was 3-3 from the floor in his one period of time. Shades of the first uh, game of the series when he had that one stretch in the third quarter where he was awesome. Kind of ran it back here a little bit more. Um, the Stars, though, came back in with 6.44 to go, down by one. And from there, they went on a heck of a run that honestly won them the game. So if you try to find one stretch of the game that won the Hawks this contest, it was because it was when the Stars came back in in the, in the second quarter. From that point forward to the end of the quarter, it was all Hawks. So 7-0 run right away with that group. Um, pretty quickly, it was, it was trading a three for the lead, then a dunk by Collins, and then Capella took advantage of a missed bunny by Taj Gibson to get a tip in and go up by six. Then a timeout, Collins hits a, Collins hits a three, Trey hits a jumper, and the lead is suddenly eight. Also in that stretch, there was an awesome defensive play by Collins and Capella, just walling off completely at the rim against Randall. Um, multiple chances that got a stop there that can that sort of helped to key the the rest of the run. Then Trey blew right by Randall in isolation, got a dunk for Capella to have their largest lead of the night at 52-42. So after that, a t- another stop and then a three by Bogey. So that was a 22-3 overall run when DeAndre Hunter hit a three. So they went from the Hawks went from down three to up 16 and then ultimately, ultimately up by 14 at the halftime break. But the Knicks only scored five points in the final 7-19 of the first half, including uh, 13 total points in the second quarter. So part of that was New York missing shots for sure, but the Hawks did a really good job defensively, uh, kind of give them the barrage that they needed. And, you know, big picture, the Hawks won this game by 11 points. That was basically it. I mean, the Hawks had their one big run there, and from that point forward, they kind of just held on for dear life. And they did a good job, kind of played even. Actually, they lost the second half of this game, which we'll get into in a second. But it just didn't matter because they were in such a great spot after the big run. Um, in the first half, the Hawks scored about 1.2, 1.2 points per possession. That's obviously very, very good. They were 9-15 from, from three, 54% from the floor. Trey Young had 14 and 10 assists in the first half. He was masterful before halftime. The Knicks shot 30% from the floor in the first half. Um, that was impressive. And uh, only had four assists, which is a, just a comically low number. They scored less than a point per possession in the entire uh, half. And one big adjustment that I, I will also credit McMillan with, Derrick Rose was kind of lighting them up in the first quarter. They put DeAndre Hunter on him, and from that point forward, Rose was uh, much more ordinary, I will say. Rose was still their best player by far in this game, but that tweak to put um, Hunter on him definitely helped to slow him down and allow the Hawks to get their footing um, defensively. So... Um, obviously the Hawks in a great spot there up by 14 at the half. We'll come back in a second to discuss the second half and much, much more, but first a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. And the first of which is built bar built bar is wonderful. As I always say on the podcast, but what is your favorite built bar flavor? Did you know that built bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor and when you talk about Built Bar, it's always a passionate thing for people that really enjoy their own flavors. And if you don't know the flavors, you're really missing out. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and many more. There's something for everyone in my favorite flavor right now anyway. I have many favorites, to be honest with you. But right now, I'm really loving the peanut butter brownie. That's just one that I'm really enjoying. I like to dive into that as much as possible. I always uh, talk about how much I enjoy Built Bar, and that is the one that I am diving into at this moment in time. If you haven't tried the flavors, though, get a mixed box right now where you get two of each of the nine available flavors at this moment in time. 
time. And not only are the Built Bar flavors fantastic, they're also very healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, only four grams of net carbs, and a couple others have even more protein if you enjoy that kind of thing. Order today, get that raspberry, mint brownie, or whatever you would like. And if you do it in the near future, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your first order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, we'll go to the second half now. And uh, spoiler alert, the Knicks never made a run. And that was kind of strange. Um, I was expecting the entire time that New York would have a push of some sort after halftime. And it really just never happened. Um, the Knicks offense was a little bit better after halftime, but the Hawks just kept scoring at a pretty decent clip. And the run that they needed just kind of, they couldn't get the stops requisite to do that. So Collins hits a three early to go up by 17. It's pretty much back and forth for most of the, most of the third quarter. Um, then at the 329 mark, the Hawks went to the bench. They, they actually sat Trey a little bit earlier in the third. As I mentioned before, my Dodgers played the entire third quarter. And they actually kept Collins on the floor as well with him, with the Hawks up by 15. Um, and that actually went fairly well. They went to a bench-heavy group very late with Bogdanovich by himself with the, with, with the bench. But that held up okay. They were only minus one. And when you're up by 16, 17 points, that's totally fine at the end of the third quarter. Um, Kevin Hurd had a massive three to put them up by 17 late in the third. And uh, that was a nice stretch that was definitely important. Um, I will say uh, there was a massive free throw edge again by the Knicks in the third quarter. But the Hawks played the played them even at 20, 28, 28, 28 to 28, I should say. And then that was enough to sort of hold the line. Bogdanovich sort of as the bridge, and uh, they did a good job sort of triaging those bench minutes. Um, in the fourth, uh, another huge shot by Kevin Herter, by the way, who was again playing with a ton of confidence, playing with some swagger in this game. That was a big shot to open the fourth quarter. And they brought Trey Young and Gary Hunter back in the game with 9.38 to go. Before that, Bogdanovich played 14 minutes and 22 seconds straight to open the, open the second half. And when he came out, it was because Trey Young came back in. So it was a direct stagger, again, as I said before. Um, there was actually a chance for the Hawks to go up by as many as 19 with her missing a three early, I would say midway through almost, of the fourth quarter. He missed it, and then the Knicks had actually had a 60-foot alley-oop to cut the lead down to 14. Um, it, did, it got as low as 12. A couple chances for the Knicks to get down to as little as 9 or 10, actually. Um, uh, I thought Der- Alec Burks had a pretty good look at a three that would cut it to 9. He missed that. And then Rose missed a jumper would made it 10 as well. He missed that. And then for me, the dagger was really the Bogdanovich three with about four minutes to go, putting the Hawks back up by 15 points. That was an awesome pass by Trey Young with his left hand in a way that he often does. But that was an awesome little display there from Trey. And then from there, it was never lower than 12. Um, there was a there was a fun block by Clint Capella in the final two minutes in which he went to the Hawks crowd courtside and gave the Dikembe Mutombo finger wag. That was uh, definitely popular with the with the local fan base. That was funny and a, and a cool moment to have in front of that packed house. Um, as I said before, they technically lost the second half, 50-47. to 47. That's kind of misleading. I think the Hawks were going to probably win the second half or at least play even until the final minute where they kind of pedaled off with the huge lead. But overall... You know, they didn't need to push it in, necessarily. But Donovich had 12 points after halftime. I thought he was quite good. And the Hawks just kind of did their thing and rode that second half, that second quarter wave into a situation where they just kind of had to had to hold the line, and they were able to do that. Um, as far as some takeaways from the night, I'll start with one that is controversial, obviously. Um, the free throw disparity was wild. Uh, the Knicks were 27 of 30 from the free throw line, 90%. The Hawks were 5 of 8 from the free throw line. In this game, um, McMillan was asked about this after the game. And he actually gave sort of a smile and said, "I'm not touching that." That's a direct quote from Nate, as he should. No reason to get fined when you're winning. 
Uh, but that was definitely noteworthy. I'm not saying it was a conspiracy or like that, but um, the Knicks do have a profile where it's not too surprising they're going to take free throws, but the Hawks only taking eight is uh, a bit weird, given how tight the game was called at times in this contest. Nerlens Noel took 12 free throws. That's a lot for a guy who doesn't have the ball in his hands very often. At any rate, we'll leave that there for now. Um, the Hawks tied the playoff franchise record for threes with 16. They were 16 of 27 from three. And they, I believe it was 12 of 18 in the final three quarters. After uh, even, So even hotter than after the first quarter. And they were four of nine there. It wasn't like they were bad from there either. So they shot the heck out of the ball in this game. Some correction from game two, of course. They were a little bit cold. So um, the Hawks are going to be tough to beat in the series if they shoot the ball like this. That goes without saying. But it wasn't just that. They had to kind of overcome some other stuff in order to do that. They won the points in the paint battle, 44 to 30. That's a change from previous games. Um, also, they, kind of, they actually lost the glass again pretty considerably and it didn't bite them because the Knicks were so bad offensively in this contest so big picture the Hawks offense um even with a cool off in the fourth quarter um was not uh not like lights out but still even with 19 points in the fourth and again they weren't trying to score a whole lot or a whole lot or at least very fast in the fourth quarter they ended up scoring about 1.14 points per possession for the entire game that is totally fine like you know league a little bit better than league average, but about where the Hawks were, like a top 10 offense in the league. And it was even higher than that before the fourth quarter. Um, that's totally fine. Uh, 51%, no, sorry, 52% from the floor, in addition to the lights out three point shooting. 28 assists, including 14 for Trey. Took care of the ball to the tune of only 12 turnovers. That's totally fine as well. So a very nice offensive performance. Again, key by three point shooting for sure, but. When you factor in the free throws and the lack of free throws, this was a pretty impressive offensive performance for Atlanta. Uh, defensively, they did a very good job. Um, the Knicks definitely helped them out. Uh, we'll stop. We'll stop here just just to say this. Um, the what I think most, most people would, would describe as New York's best two players this season, uh, Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, who I think were one and two in minutes in the entire league this year. They combined to shoot four of twenty-four from the floor in this game. Julius Randle uh, has had a nightmare series. He had a pretty good half in the second half of game two, but the other five halves have been nightmare fuel for Julius Randle. I-, I thought it was a little bit funny that I saw people talking about how Randle was the best player in the series before, before the series started. Uh, he had a heck of a year. He's not better than Trey Young, and that has been driven home uh, over and over again so far in the series. But uh, he was in the penalty box all night long, just had nothing other than free throws. That was his only approach. And Barrett's been very quiet as well. So um, good defensive performance from the Hawks overall. Lots of individuals to praise for sure. But a 102 defensive rating for Atlanta, holding the Knicks to 39% from two, 30% from three. Free throws definitely were in their favor, but zero fast break points for the Knicks. Um, although I, I would probably give them one, you know, they were credit with zero. I don't know how to score that long alley-oop. That was kind of their one transition bucket in the entire game. But the Hawks... Did a good job defensively, for sure. Um, very sound, very few breakdowns. The Knicks were certainly cold, too. Like, you don't just shoot as poorly as they did, you know, again in this game by um, by defensive stuff only. But the Hawks did a very good job and did not have a lot of breakdowns. And uh, credit to them for the way they played defensively in this spot. All right, before we get to the final segment of the podcast, talking about the individual players and a look ahead to the rest of the series, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is betonline.ag. BetOnline is the easiest and the fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is definitely here and in full swing. You can track all the action at betonline.ag. 
Plus, in addition to baseball, the NBA playoffs are here, as you're listening to all the time on this podcast. And uh, beyond that, all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Of course, you have MLB and NBA, and you have NHL, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, all that you can think of. It's all there at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch or dribble, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop and mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information that you can find all in one place. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game and get in on the action. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline.ag. That's a 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. The promo code, one more time, is LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with the site on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at RockAuto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the car or truck world, it's now impossible to stock all of the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless questioning from someone at a storefront and have to wait while someone at the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right now, both at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the audio and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need. Just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is uniquely and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you went right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box to know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, and we'll go to the individual player breakdowns at this point in time. Uh, only 10 guys again. Uh, I say only. 10 guys is a lot, but that's that's what they played in this game. The only change in terms of actual personnel was Tony Snell not playing and Solomon Hill playing. Um, Snell played you know, double-digit minutes, I think, in Game 2. Um, only one stint for Solomon Hill, five minutes. He was not particularly effective. I think he was fine defensively. They were actually minus four in that stretch, but... He's basically just triage. You know, Collins in foul trouble. That might have been the decision. They might have also just kind of planned on going to Hill instead of Snell. No harm, no foul. It was fine. Um, they probably could exercise those minutes altogether if they can you know, stretch it out a little bit more, but that was fine uh, altogether. Kongwu was totally solid. Uh, did not score. Did not take a shot, actually, in six minutes, but had two rebounds, had a block shot. I thought he was fine defensively. Not a whole lot of pressure offensively, but um, he did his job in this game. Um, walling off at the rim for sure, being in the right place at the right time, being physical, and uh, playing hard. So that's kind of all you need from him in that small sample size. Lou Williams had a very good first half at 3 of 3 from the floor. Did have some turnovers in the second half, but it had 9 points in 11 minutes. You'll take that all day from Lou. I thought he did his job in this game quite well in the way that he did in game 1, and uh, obviously you'll take that and run. Uh, Gallinari shot the heck out of the ball. He was due for a bounce back in that department. It was, it was kind of funny. He was 4 of 4 on threes which is quite good, obviously. He was 0-4 on twos, which is a bizarre stat line. But 12 points, 4 rebounds, an assist, and a steal. He had some ugly moments, to be sure. That inbounds pass in the first quarter was hideous uh, and cost him 3 points. But I think the shooting, you'll take it. And he played, he played 24 minutes off the bench. Um, with Collins in a little foul trouble, they probably needed him a little bit more early on. But uh, Gallinari played totally fine. And uh, that was useful to see him have the ball go in the basket from three is helpful because he needs that to happen to maintain his overall effectiveness. Lastly on the bench, Kevin Herter. I thought Kevin Herter was awesome in this game. And the numbers will not necessarily paint the picture all the way through, but I think they definitely do a little bit. Had 10 points in 19 minutes, 
Two assists, three rebounds, a block shot. Again, he's been so active defensively. Uh, only one turnover, plus two, and 19 minutes. Three or five from the floor, three or four from three, one or two from the free throw line. Uh, little things, though. I think Kevin Herter has been... Um, you could probably give Dowdery Hunter their best defender on the perimeter, but Herter's been number two by a lot. They are much better defensively with him on the floor in the series overall on the perimeter, like their point of attack stuff. Um, good option on a couple different guys. Just doing role player stuff, and that's not even like diminishing him. I think he's hit a couple, couple, couple big shots in this game, playing with confidence. But I thought he was uh, sneaky, very, very impressive in this game. And uh, the Hawks would have maybe won without him, obviously, still, because they were pretty comfortably ahead. But he made a bunch of little impact plays defensively and a couple of big shots. So uh, kudos to Kevin Herter for playing quite well in this game. Um, to the starters, all five guys. And honestly, I'll say this now. I don't think anybody played poorly for the Hawks. If you want to make an argument for Solomon Hill, uh, I'd listen, I guess. But of the guys who played more than six minutes... I think everyone played at a minimum average and probably a little bit better than that. So that's obviously it's obviously a good sign to the overall effectiveness of the team. We'll save Trey and Bogdanovich for the end. Um, we'll go to DeAndre Hunter first. 11 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, a block shot, plus 10, 35 minutes. He was pretty solid offensively. They actually gave him a little bit more to do on the ball, which I thought was probably a good decision using his physicality. He wasn't dominant there, but made, made a couple plays. And then defensively, yeah, he had some moments um, against Rose, but I think that was a good change, put him on there. He was more effective than most against Derrick Rose. He played well against Randall as well at times when he was asked to guard him. So a uh, it's kind of a do-everything night for Hunter. He was very good, I thought, on the whole. Uh, John Collins bounced back in a big way from his uh, sort of no-show foul trouble stuff on in Game 2. 14 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, and uh, 4 fouls in 31 minutes. I think defensively he was very good, kind of flying around, getting back to where he was in Game 1, using his physicality, off-ball stuff, athleticism, kind of just being active, being a pest, and doing his job there, and actually played well against Randall one-on-one in this game, and was uh, jawing about it too, as he should be. He, should, he definitely was in his bag a little bit defensively in this game, and offensively made some plays. They were more able to get him, get him involved. Uh, shot 2 of 5 from 3, which is totally fine for what he's going to be doing, and I thought he just played well. He wasn't like dominant, but especially in the first half, I thought he was quite good. Um, Click Capella, same sort of thing. Like he was just good across the board. As often, he was the best plus minus guy, plus 15 in this game, 13 points, 12 rebounds, two blocks, two assists. Um, there was one kind of funny post up, but even then, he actually got to a good shot. He just missed it. And I thought Capella was six of eight, six of eight from the floor. He uh, finished some dunks. He was more active on the offensive glass at times. Only had two, but was definitely tipping the ball around, being more like himself in that realm. And then uh, defensively, it's, as always, it's night and day when he plays and when he doesn't. And that was the same in this game. Um, Bogdanovich, uh, a very nice night overall. He got off to a sort, of, a sort of a slow start, but from there, once he found it, he found it. 15 points, three assists, a steal. Did have four fouls, but had eight rebounds. Number two on the team in rebounds in this game. 39 minutes. So... You know, a lot of people, including myself, talked about the minute totals for Bogdanovich and Young in particular. Bogey led the team in minutes, 39. Um, and again, I think I said this before, but he led the team in minutes from like mid-March on this year. He was the guy, not Trey, that played the most minutes. And so it wasn't a huge surprise to me that he'd be leading the team again here, but he was very valuable, kind of just taking up the usage when Trey left the court, bridging the gaps, and uh, doing his thing, and also having the ball go in the basket. Obviously, he had a rough shooting night on uh, on Wednesday. In this game, though, three or four from three, he was three of three of eight only on twos, which is which isn't great. But other than that, he had a well-rounded game. He was very solid. His shooting has obviously been great all year long. And then Trey Young, uh, he cooled off as a scorer in the second half, but man, he was so good in this game. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you can nitpick if you want to, and I'm a good nitpicker uh, on a lot of different things. 
Trey Young has been fantastic in this series. There's no other way to put that. Three games, his first three playoff games of his career, he's been genuinely good in all three games. And for a guy in his third season, what, 22 years old, to go out and do that on a big stage, he's been everything the Hawks could have possibly asked for in these three games. This game was more of a distributor than a score at times, but still had 21 points, 14 assists, two turnovers. That's an awesome ratio, quite obviously. Um, only shot six of 13 on twos, but found his, found his jumper a little bit in this game. Made two of six on threes and a couple of mid-rangers as well. Got to the line for four free throw attempts with three of four. I thought Trey was awesome, again. So it wasn't a 40-point game. It wasn't like the memorable moments that necessarily that happened in you know, the game, the uh, the walk-off game winner early in the, early, early in the series, but I thought Trey was, again, fantastic and uh, one of the big reasons why the Hawks won this game. So uh, that's enough of that for now. Um, as a final takeaway before we get out of here, uh, the good folks at 538 were the first um, projection model that I saw to update after the game. They give the Hawks an 87% chance to win the series at this point in time. That might be a tad high for me at 2-1, to one, but I will say this. The Hawks are the favorite. I'm not trying to do the jinx thing. Uh, I'm trying to be objective, as always, on this podcast. Um, I'll say this. The Hawks now have home court advantage. And I think the consensus, in fact, I've, I've not really seen anyone that I would call a objective analyst say otherwise. I think the Hawks are the better team. I've said that the entire time. But even people that were saying it was more of a toss-up series coming into this coming into the series are kind of just saying, look, if you look at this objectively, the Hawks have just been the better team. They are the more talented team. And uh, now, you know, they only have two more home games left, but they only needed to. They only, they only need to. If you if you win them both, you're in good shape. So. Not over by any means. No one is saying that. I am not crazy enough as an Atlanta sports observer to say otherwise, but the Hawks are the favorite at this point definitively. I have not seen the betting market just yet. It's still Friday night right now, but it will stun me if the Hawks are not a pretty considerable betting favorite to win the series on Saturday, and the Hawks should be favored again in the game in Game 4. Now, things can change. If the Hawks were to lose Game 4 at home, then it becomes a toss-up again because New York has uh, home court advantage again if they were to win Game 4. And it'd be 2-2 heading back to New York with two more games remaining at MSG. So, uh, Game 4 is a big one. Obviously, every series, every game in a series that's this, this short is a big game. But uh, the gap between 3-1 and 2-2 is uh, considerable, we'll say. So, obviously, it puts a lot of pressure on Sunday. By the way, Sunday is an afternoon game. It's a 1 o'clock p.m. tip-off at State Farm. And it's an ABC exclusive telecast. So, as we talked about with Bob Rathman on my show earlier, <laughs> earlier in the week, uh, he has the day off. He'll be there, I'm sure. Um, but if you are going to watch this game, you have one option. It is ABC. Now, ABC is easier to get because you can just put up your antenna. If you don't even have cable, you can find ABC. But uh, that's that's all you got, this one. There's no value broadcast on Sunday. Regardless, though, um, prominent, by the way, that's, that's, the, that's the true national window in ABC. Obviously, TNT and ESPN are national games as well. But the broadcast window is a rarity recently for the Hawks. That'll be fun. And uh, we'll see if they can hold serve at home. It should be Rockets again in there. Hopefully, Hawks fans do the same thing they did tonight and kind of make a uh, difference in the game. But uh, yeah, we will leave it there for now. Um, podcast will be returning after that game, of course, on at some point on Sunday. I don't know how quickly I'll, I'll, I'll record, but I promise you that the podcast will be in your feeds by Monday. And Monday's Memorial Day, so I'm going to try to post the podcast probably Sunday early evening, whenever the game settles and all that stuff. So I'm not going to hold it to midnight as I sometimes would. Um, that'll be up at some point on Sunday. So please subscribe. That's the best way to find the podcast via Spotify or Stitcher. Apple's still a little bit questionable, but hopefully it's been coming up, coming through for you guys. Um, you know, all kinds of places, TuneIn Radio, Odyssey, all those places are options, but find your favorite one, subscribe to us there, follow the show, 
etc. Please tell your friends about the podcast as well. Check out all of the written content at peachtreehoops.com, and we will see you all after the game on Sunday.